Shalom. Last time I left our story on a knife edge. Boaz, our close relative, had made it clear he would willingly step in as our kinsman redeemer to marry my widowed daughter-in-law Ruth and continue our family line. Without his intervention, I don't know that there was much future for us. But there was a complication. Boaz knew of another closer relative who had first rights to Ruth and to the family land we owned. Would that person want to take advantage of the extra land and expand their property? Boaz was determined to sort it out quickly and honourably. He arranged a formal meeting and set out the situation to our other relative and to the town elders. Ruth and I waited at home, unable to settle. Ruth had grown to love Boaz for his care and generosity but this other relative she knew nothing about. When Boaz came to tell us what happened, he looked grave and we feared the worst. Your relative said he would redeem your land, he said. Ruth and I looked at each other in horror. But then Boaz said, Then I told him that to buy the land he also had to marry the Moabite widow to continue the family line and he changed his tune very quickly. Ruth and I just stood there speechless, not sure where this was going. Suddenly Boaz smiled broadly and held up a sandal, waving it and laughing. We both looked really confused at first, but then I remembered the sandal thing. It was an old custom. When a deal was struck, the person giving up property handed over one of their sandals to make it official. The sandal belonged to the other relative. He'd given up his rights. Boaz could now be our kinsman redeemer and he and Ruth would be married. Well, Boaz wasted no time in making it happen and I remember sitting at the wedding feast watching them together and hardly believing how God had provided for us. And God blessed us even more when Ruth gave birth to my first grandchild. His name is Obed, which means servant of the Lord. I pray that he and the generations of our family to follow will serve the Lord always. My friends rejoice with me. Look, they say, Naomi has a son. I smile, but I think of my sons who I lost. But then I think of Ruth, my precious Ruth, who has been a true daughter to me and who is worth more than seven sons. I marvel at how my life has changed in such a short time. From no hope to every hope. From empty to full again. God is faithful. God is good. I don't know about you, but I've been wearing sandals quite a lot in the last week or so. Thankfully, I had one pair repaired and another that's quite new. So I was well set up for this hot weather and of course, in the context of our reading in the book of Ruth, sandals would have been the normal footwear all the way all the year round. I don't think socks existed 
in uh, that kind of environment. Now, to us, it would seem a very unusual custom to take off a sandal and to hand it across to another person as a sign of a legal transaction between them. Imagine going to the solicitor's office and signing a document in the presence, instead of signing a document in the presence of witnesses, you take off a sandal and you give it to them. We had a wedding here in church yesterday. Imagine that instead of exchanging rings, the bridegroom took his sandal off and handed it to the bride as a confirmation of the vows that they had made and their commitment to each other. It all seems very strange, doesn't it, in our way of life. But as Naomi explains so clearly in our dramatic reading of Ruth 4, this is exactly what happened. Boaz became the person fully and legally entitled to the land that had belonged to Naomi's husband, Elimelech, and also to take Ruth as his wife. And he was allowed to do that, and he sealed the commitment to do that by exchanging a sandal, handing it across. As you know, as the story unfolded, Ruth and Boaz then had a son who they named Obed, he was the father of Jesse and the grandfather of King David. And therefore, when we come into the New Testament, into Matthew chapter 1, the opening book of the New Testament, Ruth and Boaz are clearly mentioned in the line of succession from Abraham through David and right up to Jesus himself. Now, this is an amazing conclusion to the story of Ruth. I must say that the whole story of Ruth has come alive to me wonderfully in the last few weeks, uh, few weeks through these amazing dramas that uh, Chris Maggs wrote and that uh, Jane Bartholomew has presented. So thank you, Chris. Chris is here with us in the congregation this morning. Thank you, Jane. Uh, Jane is uh, uh, watching, I'm sure, from elsewhere today. These are utterly brilliant. And in our planning for the series, we actually thought that the first service on Ruth would be the one where we were gathering together in larger numbers like this. The reality is that that all shifted along a bit, and it turns out that it's the last one when we're gathering. But that's really worked out very well, because uh, here we are with the theme of rejoice. And as we come to the joyful climax of the story of Ruth, uh, we can capture something of that as we worship God together today. There are quite a few characters, aren't there, in the book of Ruth, in the story of Ruth, and certainly in the final chapter. Naomi is there, and we heard the story from Naomi's perspective. And then there were Ruth and Boaz, who were obviously key players. There was the person who had the original right to that land, who is not named. And then there are the, tel uh, the ten elders and all the people who gathered together witnessing the moment when the sandal was taken off and handed across as a seal of that commitment. And because the story embraces quite a length of time, then uh, there is also another group of unnamed women who celebrate the birth of Obed, saying to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. And it is these words to Naomi towards the end of the story 
that I particularly would like to focus on this morning. Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without next of kin. May his name be renowned in Israel. If you remember, Naomi started this story in a very troubled place. She'd lost her husband, she'd lost both her sons. She was in a strange land and felt that it was right that she should return to Bethlehem empty-handed, except for the loyal companionship of her daughter-in-law, Ruth. She said to those greeting her back in Bethlehem, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. She felt bitter, wanted to be called Mara in order to reflect her experience. That was the start of the story. How different at the end of the story. The land that was owned by her late husband came back into family ownership through Boaz. And Ruth and Boaz were married, and Naomi had a grandson, who himself would become the grandfather of King David. Wow! What a transformation. Life came back to them. Hope was rekindled in the most unexpected of ways. And in the story of Ruth, the key person in this transition was Boaz. He was the one who took care of Ruth. He was the one who negotiated the recovery of the land. He was the one who was prepared to take as his wife a widow from Moab and through whom the special child of hope was born. He became the kinsman redeemer in this family situation based on all the customs and laws of the time, which to us seemed quite strange and obscure, but were very, very important. And as well as being a vital part of the overall story of the Israelite nation, Boaz was also someone who anticipated the greater work which we know was accomplished through Jesus Christ. Jesus is our kinsman redeemer today. He is the, in the business of bringing new life and restoring hope. It's true of all times, but it's true especially of this time. Globally, COVID-19 is a crisis of massive proportions. It's far too early even to begin to assess the significance it's already been hugely damaging to health, to life, to economies, to each country in its own context, and to the movement between countries across the world. Economies have been devastated, debts have been rising, grief has been felt far and wide, and yet within this critical time in our world, we can focus on Jesus Christ as our kinsman redeemer who has not left us or anyone else in the world without hope. And I'm sure you can think of many people, as I can think of many people, who have struggled hugely over these last 18 months, who are now, some, in a place of deep darkness. And there is a sense in which that un uncertainty hangs over us like a cloud, however bright the sunshine of the last few days. I remember saying to Martin on Tuesday that I thought that last week's all-age service was absolutely wonderful, and I recognized the huge amount of work that had gone into piecing it all together, 
Uh, obviously, in the last 18 months, we've become very familiar with uh, all these technological challenges, but they don't get any easier, uh, nor do they get much quicker uh, the more that you do them. And then my thinking went along the lines that maybe it was the last time that we need to do that because future all-age services will be live from the stage here in real time. But who knows? Many people have noted that the word irreversible is not being used so much in the language of lockdown. And many of the news headlines this week have expressed caution. So we just don't know. And we live with this wonderful uh, but challenging atmosphere of uncertainty. But what we can be sure about is that Jesus Christ is our kinsman redeemer and today we have immense hope. We have so much to be thankful for in the gift of Jesus and the hope that he brings into our lives today. And from this last section of the story of Ruth, there are several clear pointers to the difference that Jesus makes in our lives today for which we can be truly thankful. Let me just bring three of them to you. The first, we rejoice today because Jesus brings us complete redemption. Now, redemption is a bit of a religious word, isn't it? But it assumes that there's something fundamentally wrong with the world, that we are in trouble, and that something has to happen to set us free. Ruth and Naomi returned to Bethlehem as vulnerable people in need of help at every level, and something had to happen if their life was going to open out into joy and fulfillment. And the way that redemption came to them was through the sacrificial care and the wise discernment from Boaz. We too are vulnerable people today, and our vulnerability has been exposed even more during this pandemic. And as far as God is concerned, we have fallen far short of his perfect standard and we need forgiveness and help. And redemption comes to us through Jesus Christ. And it is full and complete, and nothing is lacking. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Jesus, a lamb without blemish or defect. In the song before the throne of God, when Satan tempts me to despair, tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. So we rejoice today because Jesus brings us complete redemption. Secondly, we rejoice today because Jesus gives us a new identity. Ruth was described at the beginning of this story as Ruth the Moabitess. At the end of the story, she's described as the wife of Boaz. And in Matthew chapter 1, she's described as the mother of Obed. She had a new identity. And it was an exciting new sense of belonging based on that new relationship which was established when she married Boaz. The church is described in the New Testament as the bride of Christ. And we have a new identity in Jesus Christ. 
We are no longer defined by our background, our nationality, our gender, our color of skin, our age, our job, our status in society. These things might say something about us, but they do not define who we are. Our identity is as a follower of Jesus Christ, a part of the body of Christ, a saint who is traveling along the way with Jesus who will ultimately reach that final destiny in heaven. And this is so exciting. This means direction and purpose for our lives. And in response to the question, who am I? As a Christian, you're able to say, I'm a child of God, made new by Jesus, filled with his Holy Spirit. And just as Ruth had a complete new identity, even more so we do in Christ today. And then the third is that we rejoice today because Jesus fills us with a great hope. And in the final part of the story, which is clearly some months later, Ruth, or rather the, the neighbors of Ruth and Naomi in particular, said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has, left you, has not left you without a family guardian. Never in a thousand years could Naomi have dreamt that her life would turn around like this. Never in a thousand years could Ruth have thought that when she made that promise to remain with her mother-in-law and travel to an unknown country, that her life would be so filled with hope, with a new identity. Never in a thousand years would have anyone thought that God could work through such an ordinary, tragic set of events to bring about an extraordinary provision that had huge impact for that time and for the future. There was deep darkness for both of them along the way. For Ruth and for Naomi, there were family bereavements, there was extreme poverty, there was an anxious time of waiting, there was living with uncertainty. But those dark and heavy days that were very real and are portrayed clearly in the book of Ruth, they led to a time of greater joy and hope. This is not a part of the Bible which glosses over the pain and hardship of life. But through those times... And beyond those times came moments of overwhelming joy. And that's why Christianity is so important in our world today. Where else do you look for hope in uncertain times? Where else do you find light in the darkness? Where else do you talk about rejoicing in the midst of suffering? We're not speaking here of shallow escapism from the harsh realities of life, but a profound evidence that through the selfless giving and supreme sacrifice of Jesus Christ, there is hope for the whole world. In the Vincent van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam, there's a fine display of this famous 19th century Dutch artist's paintings. But in the basement of the museum, there are some sketches that van Gogh did in advance of some of his masterpieces. The sketches portray tiny features Maybe just a hand, or even just a finger. They were the prototypes, the first sketching out of what was then portrayed in full color in the masterpiece of the paintings. And I think that the story of Ruth is just a little sketch. It's just a little fingerprint. It's just a little starter. 
of what the full blessing of God means as it comes today through Jesus Christ. This is what gives us our joy and hope. Praise be to God. Today, he's given to you and me a family guardian, Jesus, the source of our life and our hope. May that be an encouragement as God speaks to us all today. So I'm going to ask Dave and Lucy and Margaret to come back and uh, to give us the opportunity to respond to that in singing. I've got a couple of great songs to conclude this morning. And uh, if you feel able to sing, that's fine. If you prefer not to, that's fine. And at home, do join in and enter into our response as we recognize that God has given us a great hope through his son, Jesus Christ. Let's stand ready to continue our worship.